Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So as private school leaders, we spend a lot of time with kids, with children, and we also spend a lot of time with adults. And so obviously the children um, in our schools, perhaps if you have children of your own, but we spend a lot of time with kids. But also we spend a lot of time with adults. And so the teachers at your school, the staff, and also the other adults in your life. And I think that Most private school leaders are pretty observant and they're pretty high in emotional intelligence. And so I want to throw something at you and see if you agree or disagree. I think that kids and adults aren't all that different. In a lot of ways, I think that kids and adults are not all that different. And so, for example, kids and adults, they both crave predictability and support, but kids and adults also like to have fun and sometimes like to be spontaneous. And as adults, we, when we talk, we really want people to listen to us. Well, kids do too. And sometimes I think that that's where problems come in when maybe we're not giving them the attention that they deserve. Kids, adults, we want to be heard. And how about this one? Adults are happiest when we feel safe. Well, we know that that's true for our kids. And so maybe kids and adults aren't all that different. And you may have heard of the four S's of secure attachment theory by Daniel Siegel. He wrote a book called The Power of Showing Up. So the four S's of secure attachment have to do with kids, how they want to feel safe and seen and soothed and secure. Those are the four S's feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. But if you think about it, that's not true just for kids. Adults want to feel safe and seen and soothed and secure. And I think that's especially true for parents when they come in and they're upset about something and you get to have a meeting with that upset parent. And so today, On today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we are going to take the four S's of secure attachment theory, and we're going to apply them and give you some strategies so that you can have better meetings with upset parents. And before we get into today's topic, I want to give you a gift to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And since we're talking about upset parents, I want you to have this guide. It's an 11-page PDF, and it's called The Seven Steps to Having Successful Meetings with Upset Parents. And this gives you a step-by-step plan to have better meetings with the parents at your school, especially that when they come in and they're upset about something. Every good coach has a game plan. Every good teacher has a lesson plan. But I think too many private school leaders don't have a plan when they sit down to meet with an upset parent. Well, now you have a plan. And you can get this free guide at theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. That's the seven steps to having successful meetings with upset parents. 
over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. That's a free gift to you. And I want to tell you something you already know. Being a private school leader is a very, very difficult job. You have to make hundreds of decisions each day. You have to keep everyone safe and increase enrollment and keep the parents happy and keep the board happy and motivate your teachers and deal with student discipline and beat last year's test scores and come in under budget. And that's just a Tuesday that I just described. And so I want to ask you, are you feeling tired and discouraged and overwhelmed as a private school leader? Do you ever feel like the pace that you keep is not sustainable? Does your school tend to invade your weeknights and your weekends? And do you feel like work-life balance is a myth? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, then I'm really excited to tell you about Thrive Academy. Thrive Academy is a brand new online course that I created just for you, the private school leader that wants to get out of survival mode and get back to feeling energized and fulfilled at school. And I just want to remind you, if you've been listening to the podcast for some time, you know that I used to be where you are. I was in the hospital with ulcers. I've been diagnosed with severe burnout. I've had stress-induced vertigo that has put me in the hospital. And I've been discouraged and overwhelmed and not had great relationships with my wife or my family, all because of the school invading every possible nook and cranny of my life. But the good news is, is that I figured out how to make it better. And now I'm happy and excited and energized and feeling fulfilled at school. And the most important part of all of that is, is that I can teach you how to make it better too. And that's what Thrive Academy is all about. It's an online course with 39 lessons. Um, I've created over nine hours of video content and also an 86-page workbook with guided notes and reflection questions and calls to action and habit tracking calendars and more. And you get live office hours on Zoom with me for the first six weeks after you purchase Thrive Academy. And I really believe that Thrive Academy can change your life. And you don't have to make all the mistakes that I made. So let me teach you how to go from surviving to thriving. And if you want to know more, just head on over to theprivateschoolleader.com slash thrive. Check out more about this brand new online course, Thrive Academy, that can be a huge game changer for you and your life as a private school leader. And please go check that out at theprivateschoolleader.com slash thrive. Okay, I want to give a shout out to um, one of my coaching clients and a podcast listener. His name's Steve, and he's in Santa Monica, California, associate head of school. And he actually is the person that gave me the idea for this episode topic. Um, The Four S's of Secure Attachment by Daniel Siegel and his book, The Power of Showing Up. And the more that we discussed it and the more that I thought about it, as I said at the top of the episode, I really think that these four things can be applied to our parents and especially an upset parent and especially an upset parent where you're sitting down to have a meeting with them. So let's just take a moment and dive into this um, secure attachment theory, and then we'll get tactical and apply it to how you can have better meetings with your parents. So I said before the four S's are safe, seen, soothed, and secure. 
again, you might be multitasking while you listen to this episode and I don't want you to miss anything. So I'll take good care of you in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 70. But those four S's are safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And Daniel Siegel, he, he um, puts forth that these four elements are crucial in building strong emotional connections, not only in personal relationships, but we're going to apply them to school setting, especially when we meet with an upset parent. And see, his, what, what he talks about is how you are the key. And so we're going to think about how, as, a, as an educator, you are the key for making your children, the students at your school, feeling safe, seen, soothed, and secure. How, as a leader, you are responsible for making your teachers and other employees feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And then, really, what the topic of today's episode is, is that how are you going to make parents, especially that upset parent that's sitting across from you, how are you going to make them feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure? And so, let's just bridge the gap between this being for children and this being for parents by just applying it briefly to give a couple of examples of how you can apply attachment, secure attachment to your teachers, to your staff. So first would be safe. So I'm taking this from a a graphic um, that I found, um, and it was adapted from a Mind Your Brain Incorporated by um, Tina Payne Bryson Incorporated. And I'll um, put this graphic in the show notes for you. But basically, safe um, is I protect my staff from harm and avoid becoming a source of threat or fear. So if you want your staff to feel safe, you as the leader, you're going to protect your staff from harm, avoid becoming a source of threat or fear. So keeping everyone safe, um, a safe campus, but um, also um, you not being, you know, do no harm. You're, you're not the going to be the one because of your unpredictable mood or um, your temper. You're not going to be the source of threat or fear for your teachers. All right, so that's safe. Well, what about seen? As the leader at your school, again, from this infographic, I see myself and the staff I support through the lens of wholeness. So you want your teachers and your team to be seen and you're going to have to zoom out and, and have that whole person, that whole um, human lens through which you're viewing them and not just see them as employees or not just, they're, they're human beings with hopes and dreams and fears and, you know, an elderly parent that's having surgery or, um, you know, a, a kid at home that's sick or perhaps a, a spouse that just lost a, a job. Um, and so how do you help your team to be seen? And then soothed. I am responsive and I model calm and inner peace. And so, again, our teams want to be led by someone who is kind of calm, cool, and collected when things, are, um, things aren't going great at the school. And so you're going to model that um, for your team. And then finally, secure. How do you do that as a leader at your school? Well, you create an environment of trust and provide a learning base for self-regulation and empowerment. And so you regulate your emotions, you empower your team, and that's the environment and the culture that you create. So again, 
let's pause for a moment and see what I'm trying to accomplish here and how I'm building to this. So starting out, we're not really going to talk about much about how this applies to children because you could check that out on your own. Maybe you're familiar with that yourself because really where I'm headed is how can this help us have better meetings with upset parents. But the basis of it is safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And if I'm talking about how kids and adults in many ways are similar, my bridge to get us from the theory, which is mainly about children, to apply it to upset parents is that I gave the examples here of how you can, at your school, help your teachers and your staff feel safe, feel seen, feel soothed, and feel secure. All right. So hopefully that's enough of an intro for the secure attachment theory. And now what I'd like to do is to delve into these four things and then be very, very clear about how we can apply them to having better meetings with the parents at our school. So for each one of the four S's, what I'm going to do is just give a little bit of an intro and then give you very specific um, application, like I said, get very tactical about what does this look like specifically when it comes to meeting with a parent. So again, the first one is safe and, and the first step towards a healthy and stable attachment or relationship is a sense of being and feeling safe. Because as you know, we all have a built-in survival instinct. And once safety is established, then less time and energy is devoted to being vigilant against threats. And then here's where the parent part comes in. That person then has more coping resources for interacting with the environment in a positive and rewarding manner. All right, I want to hit you with that again. If that parent who's sitting across from you feels safe, and I'll get to that in a minute about how you can make the upset parent feel safe at your school. But um, if that parent feels safe, then they are going to have more capacity and be able to devote more resources, mental resources, towards interacting with you in a positive and rewarding way. They can be more present in the meeting if they're not sitting there with their head on a swivel because they don't feel like this is a safe setting, emotionally safe and physically safe setting for this meeting. So I'll get to that in just a second, but just to kind of wrap up this intro on, on safe before we get to the tactics is that, again, do no harm. You're not going to be a source of fear for the parent. You're avoid being the source of fear or threat um, in any way so that they have more bandwidth, more headspace, more um, ability to engage in an open conversation. Okay, so let's get tactical. How then can we help a parent feel safe when we're meeting? So first is privacy. So you want to make sure that it's a private location where you're having this meeting. And so it's really interesting how my office is set up at my school. Um, I'm on the third floor in the middle school, and my office is right on a corner, and I've got these big windows one to the hall, one to each hallway, kind of at a little bit of an intersection there. And so my office is not a very private place to have a meeting with a parent. Um, and so there are other places in the school, like an office um, room inside of the larger main office, where sometimes I'll have meetings with parents. And so again, you want privacy. And so think about your location, you know, most private school leaders, their office is kind of tucked away and they're not on display for everybody. So privacy, first of all. The second thing is seating logistics. 
And so I'm a big believer in not having a meeting where you're sitting on one side of the desk and the parents are sitting on the other side because there's just a lot of psychological distance between you and that parent and that doesn't feel emotionally safe. It's sort of like you're, I don't know, you're, you're in that seat of authority and you're not equals. And so I always recommend whenever possible, and I know that many private school leaders have very small offices, but if you have just even a small round table, you know, I work with um, our head of lower school, she's got one of the smallest round tables I've ever seen, but you can manage to fit three or four people at it. And again, there's no, um, there's no preeminence or, or head of a round uh, of a circle. And so everyone is equal when they're seated in a circle. And so I just really, really feel strongly about that, that if there's any way possible for you to rearrange furniture in your office to get even just a small table in there, and then you don't have the meeting at your desk, but you have the meeting at the round table, I think seating logistics are huge when it comes to a parent feeling emotionally safe. And then calm and quiet. Um, I know that you can't um, be always limiting all interruptions, but just the more, the less interruptions that there are um, turning down, or maybe you turn off your walkie-talkie and your executive, your administrative assistant is going to vet um, those interruptions and will only interrupt if it's something truly um, crisis level. Um, putting your phone on silent, maybe putting your phone over on your desk and, you know, not having it in your hand or even face down on the little round table. Um, again, you're not only signaling uh, how important the topic is and how much interest you have in what the parent wants to say, but you're just kind of creating a calm and quiet environment and limiting those interruptions. And that's, again, where your administrative assistant comes in. And then finally, um, I'm big on no surprise participants in a meeting. And so what do I mean by that? Okay, so you invite a parent to a meeting and they think that they're meeting with just you, but then the um, school counselor is sitting there, all right? Or someone from the, I don't know, a therapist is sitting there, or maybe someone that's a reading specialist in your school is sitting there. Because, and so always, 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 if you want parents to feel safe when they walk in that door, they should know exactly who's going to be at that meeting and there should never be a surprise participant. So maybe you're sitting to yourself, sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I would never do that. Okay, well, that's good. But um, sometimes we feel like, well, this person really needs to be at this meeting and the parent's probably not going to be too happy about it. And so then you just like invite them and then they're there and it feels like a surprise. And then the parent Again, like I said before, they're not feeling safe. Their head's a little bit on a swivel, like, all right, where's the next surprise coming from? And then you're not engaging with them fully because of um, the fact that they don't feel safe. So private locations, seating logistics, calm and quiet, limit the interruptions, and no surprise participants are the ways that you can help a parent feel safe at the beginning of a meeting. All right, let's go on to the second S, which is seen. So... Again, this, this one is concerned with being curious and just really seeking to understand that parent's inner experience, and then that enables us to respond in the most appropriate way. You know, so there's a lot of um, empathy there. We'll get more to empathy when we talk about soothing in a moment, but try, really trying to see the parent for who they are and what they're thinking and feeling 
that requires us to set aside our assumptions and suspend judgment and to acknowledge our bias when it comes to this person. And this is probably one of the hardest things that I'm going to ask you to do in this episode because some of us have years of interactions with a specific parent. And some of it could be defined as trauma. And so when that's the case, we really have to guard our hearts and guard our emotions and steel ourselves and get ready to go in there and have that meeting. And again, that might be where these things don't apply. The four S's might not work with everybody. You know, if you think about that, um, I can't remember the number of the episode, but I'll link it in the show notes. I did an episode called the 5% of parents that are trying to destroy your school. And there's a book called Hopes and Fears. I'll link that as well. Um, and and the, the authors talk about how in most schools that there's 5% that just can't be reasoned with. You know, the the anxious and incompetent, the unresponsive, and the intimidators. And so these four S's probably aren't going to work on the five percenters, but they're probably going to work pretty well with the other 95%. So um, again, hopefully the people that have caused trauma to you or have just caused you to have the worst meetings are those in the 5%, and you can't deal with them the same way that you deal with the 95%, And you're like, well, okay, well, how do I deal with the 5%? Well, you're going to go back and listen to that episode. And I'll link it in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 70. But to, again, focus on the 95%, you got to set aside your bias. You know, well, this person's really loud or this person's really judgmental or all this person cares about is sports or all they care about is good grades or all their blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I get that too. I've been there and I've just been bathed in bias and, and, assumptions and predisposition and, you know, snap judgments and all that kind of stuff, but that isn't doing anybody any good and that's not helping people feel seen. So, um, you know, people who feel seen have a sense that they are acknowledged and as a leader, we can help a parent feel seen by taking the time to understand what they might be going through and to learn who they really are and also what is the real problem behind the first problem. That's another episode title, and I'll put that one, link that one in the show notes as well. They, these all kind of work together. You know, parents are emotional. They're, they're emotional about their kids. They're emotional about um, the fact that they work hard to earn money to pay for tuition, and they send both their money and their children to your school. And so emotions are going to run high sometimes, and we know that because we have those meetings. All right, so we're on the second S. We're talking about being seen. How can we do that? in a meeting with an upset parent. So here's specifically how. Okay, first we're gonna set aside preconceived notions and avoid snap judgments. We're gonna acknowledge our bias. So again, that's really hard to do, especially if we have a track record with this parent and some meetings that haven't gone well, but this is a new at-bat. And so for, to use the baseball analogy, you know, the, the, the superstars in baseball fail seven out of 10 times when they go up to bat. And so, you know, you might have had some bad meetings before and a baseball player may have had, you know, the last five times they've gone up to bat, they've struck out or gotten out, but they're going to go up there and they're going to try just as hard every at bat as they did the one before. And so that's what we're going to do when we have a meeting with a parent, not because of the parent, maybe it's hard for us to do it because of the parent, but we can do it because of the children and because the children are worth it. And so we're going to set aside our 
preconceived notions, our biases, and avoid snap judgments. Another thing we're going to do is to remain curious a little longer. Okay, we're going to try to remain curious a little longer. When we walk into those meetings and we already have our mind made up about how this meeting's going to go, then I don't know, we're just not as effective. And so we need to, the, a way for people to feel seen is for us to remain curious. And um, to see, this is something that um, Dr. Seigel calls mindsight in his book, seeing not just with the eyes, but also with the heart. And, and that's kind of another way of describing empathy, but, um, you know, remaining curious, seeing more than, than what we have pre been predisposed to think we see. And then, of course, active listening, um, the body language, the eye contact, um, the environment that's kind of free from interruptions. But for you, when that parent is talking, especially if they go first, if they requested the meeting and you have them go first, then you don't interrupt. Just don't interrupt. You're jotting down notes. You're jotting down the thing that's not true, the thing that they're saying. And then you'll come back to that, or maybe, maybe not, but don't interrupt. And then don't listen with the intent to respond. Listening with the intent to respond is not really listening because your brain can only effectively do one, um, one thing at a time. And so if you're formulating a response and formulating a plan and formulating what are the next steps going to be while they're talking, you're not really listening. And so don't listen with the intent to respond. And then when given the opportunity, like clarify, check for understanding, reflect back what they said, and just make sure that, that they feel, um, yes, you got it, you, under you understood me. Okay, so that's the first two S's, safe and, and seen. And then the third S is soothed. Okay, soothed. So this aspect of the secure attachment uh, formula or theory is really just about responding to distress by showing the parent that someone is going to be there for them and help them to make things better. And you're like, well, wait a second. I'm the one who needs to be soothed after I'm done meeting with a parent. Well, I get that, okay? But you can also make tremendous headway and have a very successful meeting and move things in a much better direction if the parent feels soothed as a result of the meeting. And when we acknowledge and validate the parent's feelings, a parent feels accepted for who they are and what they're thinking and what they're feeling in the moment. And you're gonna notice that I didn't say that we agree with everything that they said, but we're acknowledging and validating their feelings. And I'll say something that I've said before on this podcast, and that is that over my 32 years of experience of having meetings with parents, I will say that it's probably 90% of the time that an upset parent, if they feel heard and you acknowledge and validate their feelings, you're probably going to be able to bring the thing to some sort of resolution or at least come up with a plan of how to move forward. Um, and, and again, that's hard to do and it's impossible to do if you're interrupting, if you're listening with the intent to respond to other things that we said before. So we want parents to feel soothed. Um, Seigel um, actually has a framework that's the acronym for the word PEACE. It's presence, engagement, affection, calm, and empathy. And so if you just kind of get the vibe of, of those words, presence, engagement, affection, calm, and empathy, and if you're kind of bathing in that as you're, you know, getting ready to respond to the parent, 
then your head and your heart are going to be in the right place. And so then that leads us to the tactics, the strategies. How do you make a parent feel soothed? Okay. First of all, you're going to say three little words. And those three little words are, first of all, um, I'll link that episode in the show notes as well. Um, I did an episode called um, These Three Little Words Will Change the Way That You Lead. They've changed the way that I lead. And that is when a parent, a teacher, someone is sharing something that's important to them and they're talking and they're talking. I used to just dive right in and start trying to solve the problem because I was listening with the intent to respond. But now what I say is, first of all, and then I start to acknowledge and validate their feelings. So I check myself and it's something that because I know that I'm going to lead with, first of all, when it's my turn to talk, then I'm thinking about the things that they're saying. What are things that I can find that I can agree with? What are things that I can find that I can validate their feelings? And like I said, it's not the same as agreeing with what they said when you validate and acknowledge their feelings. So let's use an example. Let's say that there's a, uh, I don't know, an eighth grade parent and they're upset because their kid comes to all the soccer practices, but he isn't getting much playing time. And the kid's real, the kid's really upset about it. And so the parent's telling me this, blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of run out of steam and it's my turn to talk. And I'm like, you know what? I could see why that would be really frustrating for Jacob when he comes to all the practices and then feels like he doesn't get much playing time. And you know what, I can also see why that would be upsetting for you or hard for you to watch your son, you know, be on the sideline or be so upset after the game. You know, I can see why that would be hard for you. So I just acknowledged and validated their feelings, but I didn't agree that Jacob's not getting enough playing time. I didn't say that I was going to get him more playing time. I didn't say I was going to fire the coach. I'm starting with empathy. I'm starting with acknowledging and validating their feelings and I'm not necessarily agreeing with their larger point, but we can find things that we can agree with. We can find things that we can acknowledge. We can find things that we can validate if we are practicing active listening and doing all of the things that I mentioned um, in the previous point about, um, you know, feeling, um, feeling seen. Okay. So then um, a couple more things on Soothed uh, is to just not immediately offer solutions. And again, that goes to listening with the intent to respond. I think that we are so, private school leaders have such an action-oriented um, bias that that's how we live and that's how we get things done. But in this situation, especially when it's emotional, we can't just lead with this offering up solutions because then they feel like we didn't even hear the emotion of the problem and then just lots and lots of empathy and then again acknowledging the challenging nature of the situation and then that brings us to the fourth and final um, s and that's secure and so the first three s's safe and seen and soothing really if those all are happening then that's going to bring us to the person feeling secure and those conditions for that secure attachment and that positive sense of self-worth will exist. And you can't just, you just can't overstate the importance of creating a secure situation for that parent in that moment. You know, if they're being vulnerable, 
maybe you don't think they're being vulnerable because it's full volume or something, but they're, they're sharing something that's really important to them. And, you know, this security has important implications for how they, how well they can reflect and adapt and how resilient they can, they can be. Um, and that's true for children, but that's also true for the, the parent, you know, in this situation. And you're like, what are you talking about resilience for with, with parents? Like, parents can learn stuff from us as private school leaders and we can help them. We're not going to necessarily like give a parenting class in a meeting that we're having, but we can help them to grow their skills in this area and how to face that uncertainty. And again, that security of making sure they understand everything's going to be okay. This is where you can kind of draw on your anecdotal knowledge and however much experience you have, you know, you can say that you've seen this before that, you know, friend groups in seventh grade among seventh grade girls, sometimes, you know, though there's a lot of shifting that happens during that year or dot, 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 like fill in the blank from things that this parent, you know, this, I, sometimes I'll say this to a parent, I'll say, you know what, your son is in fifth grade and your point of reference is your fifth grade son. And my point of reference is 32 years of fifth grade boys. Okay. Now, you might be in your first year, you might be a rising leader, it doesn't matter. You still have experience of working with children that you can share anecdotally and reassure them and help them feel secure that this is going to be okay. Because for them, it's the first time. For you, it's not the first time. You've seen it. You've seen it work out. You've seen the struggle of a kid coming from another town, another city, and it's bumpy at first, but then it works out. You know. So those are the kinds of things that can help make a parent feel secure. And feeling secure also means that a parent can be vulnerable and make mistakes. I don't know, sometimes they don't apologize for the way that they act in those meetings. But again, that's another reason for the privacy. Um, but that they can feel safe, that they can like speak openly and honestly with you without like fear of retribution or somehow that their child is going to be negatively affected by the them sharing um, authentically with you in this meeting. Okay. So, you know, so how do we, how do we do that? Okay. So now is where we get, um, into a plan of action with parents. So we've, we've had the, the safe, we've had seen, we've had soothe, and now we're getting to how to, how to help them feel secure. Well, what helps them feel secure is if the person that's the expert, you or the teacher or the, um, special um, needs, um, neurodiversity um, um, professional at your school is sitting there. You're the experts, right? And so you're going to come up with a clear plan of action. That's going to help them feel secure that you heard, they were heard, they and seen and soothed, and they felt safe in during the meeting. And now they feel secure because there's a plan. And so you're going to develop a clear plan. You're going to communicate it clearly. You're going to involve the necessary resources. You're going to set some realistic expectations. You're going to provide some clarity surrounding some next steps. You're going to create an accountability feedback loop. In other words, when I meet with a parent and they're expressing like, well, this needs to have, or let me just, okay. Sometimes, yes, sometimes they do give us the to-do list, but let's just say the meeting went fairly well and we've landed on, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then I say, okay, and we're going to do this over the next three weeks. Well, then I want some feedback and I want some accountability. 
And so then I'm going to check in with the teacher. I'm going to um, set up a 15-minute phone call with the parent three weeks down the line, whatever the case may be, to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do to compare notes on what they're feeling, what they're hearing from their child, and um, continue to work the plan. That's how we can help them feel secure. And what everything does, all four S's, if you think about it, if we do it, is it easy? No. But if we do it, then we build that confidence that the parent has in us. And what I've seen over the years is relationships that start out really bumpy. If you handle some of these meetings well, and if you just lean into these four S's and and then kind of just follow this formula, that then you're building a relationship, you're building confidence of the parent in you, and then that leads to better meetings down the road and a better relationship down the road. And I've seen it happen many, many, many times over the course of my career. Does it happen with everybody? No. Sometimes it never gets better. But with most of them, it does. And so if you're going to go through the challenge and the discomfort of having these meetings, why not have a plan and be uh, have a plan that can make this meeting successful? So what are the big takeaways from today's episode? Well, we discussed the four S's of secure attachment theory. And instead of applying them to children at our school, we applied them to parents and how to have some strategies for having better meetings with upset parents. And so the first S was safe. We're going to have the environment be uh, private and calm with no surprises. Um, the second S is seen, active listening, stay curious longer, uh, do not listen with the intent to respond, and try to set aside our um, try to set aside our bias um, in these situations. Um, soothed is acknowledge and validate their feelings. And secure is to create a clear plan of action. And speaking of action, you know that I like to end every episode with a call to action. And the next time you meet with an upset parent, I'm going to ask you to try to set aside your preconceived notions about this parent and stay curious a little longer. So let me hit you with that again. Your call to action is the next time you meet with an upset parent, try to set aside your preconceived notions about this parent and stay curious a little longer. All right. Since we're on the topic of parents, I have a second um, resource for you that's free, and it's called the Five Strategies to Help You Work with Difficult Parents. And um, they can they can be great, or they can be demanding and emotional and difficult. And so, this guide will help you um, work with the parents at your school and build those better relationships. And you can get that at the PrivateSchoolLeader.com/parents for the five strategies to help you work with difficult parents. And then um, at the top of the episode, I talked about the seven um, strategies for having better meetings with upset parents. And that's at the privateschoolleader.com slash meeting. So um, privateschoolleader.com slash parents and privateschoolleader.com slash meeting. You're going to get a lot of free resources there to help you improve your meetings and your relationships with the parents at your school. Okay. So if you're getting value from this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. Let me know how it's going with you. If you have implemented a new strategy or you want to email me with your biggest pain point right now, maybe it could be turned into a podcast episode, um, just like 
This one did with a suggestion from Steve in Santa Monica, California. Please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And again, the show notes for today's episode are at theprivatescolor.com slash episode 70. A new episode comes out every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'd appreciate it if you could um, rate and review the podcast. That helps the algorithm push it out as a suggested podcast to leaders, uh, school leaders all over the world. And you can connect with me on Instagram at the private school leader or Twitter at the PS leader. And if you got value from this episode, I would love it if you would please, please, please share this link to this episode with another leader in your life at your school, someone you met at a conference, just another leader, and also one aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I just want to say that I appreciate you and the amazing work that you do at your school. You're making a difference. And I really, really appreciate you taking some of your precious time to join me here today. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.